Thank you for that. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, open up to Revelation chapter 22. As you're turning to the back of the book, the last chapter, uh, after that's the concordance, all right? If you have a concordance, and uh, so 2022. So it's been exactly one year. Today's the 23rd. And uh, uh, here's another um, just ironic or just an odd fact. Uh, it's taken us one year to get through the book of Revelation on Sunday nights. And uh, we've only, I only have 35 messages on the book of Revelation. So we've had 52 weeks and only 35 of them have been on the book of Revelation. And, uh, and that's just how it goes. You think of all the special Sundays and this and that, and that just happens that way. Uh, but I, I just found that fascinating as, uh, as I was looking over the message and getting things ready. And, uh, and so we certainly, uh, I've enjoyed going through the book of Revelation. I, I believe it's been educational, exhorting, and, and I hope it's been uh, encouraging and educational and exhorting to you uh, as well as we've gone through it. And so Revelation chapter number 22, the final chapter. And let's start with verse number one. We'll just read a couple verses here, and, uh, and then we'll uh, get into our message. The Bible says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. And there, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it. And his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Let's stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the book of Revelation that we've studied, God, that we have uh, learned from, that we have gone through. And uh, Father, we thank you for all the information that has been given to us uh, about coming things to come and end times. And Father, I pray as we uh, look tonight in your word, I pray, Father, that you'd speak to each and every heart as only you can. And Father, we'll thank you for that. God will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at the first five verses here, uh, it is again, it's continuing really uh, from the last chapter as he was describing that city, Jerusalem, New Jerusalem, that descended from God out of heaven and, uh, and came to earth. And, uh, and most people would put these with the, uh, the, the last couple of, of verses of that last chapter, or the last section of that last chapter rather, and I probably should have, but we ran out of time as it was anyway, so uh, it's fine. Uh, but one thing just to note about the difference, because there is a distinction, is in chapter 21, uh, really it's talking primarily about the externals of the city. It talked about the wall, it talked about the foundations, it talked about the gates, it talked about all of the things on the outside that it was four square and that it was, uh, that it was 
was its length and its breadth and all of those things. But in chapter 22, uh, really, he gives us an internal view of that city and describes more what is on the inside. And I want you to notice there, as we look at this city, uh, again, it's the same one. It's New Jerusalem. In verse number one there, we notice the throne that's there. Uh, it seems to be central. And, and the Bible says, And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. I just want to stop here and say this as well. It's not in my notes, but uh, it's become so evident in the last chapter of the book of Revelation that it just bothers me uh, that there's so many people that claim that Jesus Christ is not God. And I know I could preach this message every single chapter that I read out of the Bible, but I'm just saying it becomes very clear and very evident throughout the entire book of, of Revelation that Jesus Christ is indeed God himself. They are one. Uh, and, and we see that every, every step of the way. Uh, and you could go through the book of Revelation and, and just see there's so many obvious places uh, where, where he says, uh, I am he that was dead and is alive. And, and he just says all of these things that makes it very clear and very evident. And verse number one, the Bible says uh, that this proceeding, this river is proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And that is because they are one, a God and the Lamb and Jesus Christ, which is the Lamb uh, slain before the foundations of the world, which came uh, to take away our sins, uh, are one. And so we understand that. Uh, we believe very firmly in the Trinity, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Bible makes it very clear that these three are one. And the book of Revelation helps us understand those things as well. And so we note there that it is the throne of God and of the Lamb. And it's very central in its location. And notice some of these things that it gives about us in verse number 3. He says this, and there shall be no more curse. And I find it interesting because again he brings up the throne. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it. And so we find that there's no more curse. And of course we talked about that in Revelation chapter 21, uh, verse number 4, uh, and several of those verses there that, that follow that talks about no more death. Uh, and we know that, that death comes as a result of sin. Uh, because the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. And so, uh, clearly, there's no sin, there's no curse, uh, there's none of those things. And the Bible even says in Revelation 21.4 that the former things are passed away. And we're certainly grateful about that. Uh, notice this as well in verse number 3, as we're talking about this throne and some of the things that it's talking about. Verse number 3, it says in the second part, it says, His servants shall serve him. Um, and there will be business to conduct, things to do. Uh, there in, in heaven, or the new Jerusalem, as we would call it as well. And, uh, and you say, what are we going to do for all of eternity? I don't know what business will be like there. I don't know what things, but I do know this. Very clearly, the Bible emphatically states that the curse of sin is gone. What's it like to work in a perfect world? 
I don't know, but I'm looking forward to finding out, amen? It's got to be better than working in a sin-cursed world, I'll tell you that. Uh, and so what a wonderful thing that that will be. And very clearly, again, from the previous chapter, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no, none of those things, uh, because they are passed away. And uh, look at verse number four as well. Uh, found this fascinating. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And, uh, and so uh, it's very interesting that, that um, the names will be put there in, his fore, in their foreheads. And again, I don't know about all of that. I find it curious and uh, fascinating at the same time. But I do like this phrase, and they shall see his face. Boy, praise the Lord for that. I, I've never seen the Lord. Uh, I've never seen God. Uh, and matter of fact, that's really, I know for a fact that you have not either, all right? You say, well, preacher, I saw a picture of him. That was just some guy's rendition of him, all right? Uh, that wasn't really what Jesus looked like. Uh, and so we've not seen him. We don't know. But I tell you what, we sing that song, uh, this song that, that, that I wrote down here, face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ, who died for me. Face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory I shall see him by and by. Boy, what a great day that will be. I tell you what, I've, I've, never, I've never had the, um, the privilege or the honor of meeting a president, any president for that matter. I've never spoken to them. I've never been face to face with any president. I, I've known several people in past who have. Uh, they, they've, they've been able to speak to the president themselves and, and things like that. And uh, I've never had that privilege. He's a very guarded individual. There's, you just don't walk up to his door, knock on his door and say, hey, Mr. President, I'd like to have some words with you. And, uh, and, and that's true throughout time. Uh, it's always been like that. But I tell you what, what a day. When we'll be able to behold Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Lamb slain for you and I, and be able to see him face to face. Boy, what a great day that will be. What a day to be able to behold the very face of Jesus Christ. We see the throne there. We see not only the throne, uh, we see that there's no curse. We see that we'll see him face to face and, uh, and his name will be in uh, their foreheads. Uh, but I want you to notice this as well. Then verse number five, the Bible, it reiterates this, uh, that there shall be no night there and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. Verse number, uh, or Revelation 21, 23 really covered that, and I know we talked about it, but listen, uh, the fact of the matter is that God will be there, and He will be the light of eternity. Hey, listen, you won't have to change no light bulbs. You won't have to change no batteries. You won't have to pay no electrical uh, fees, uh, because God is the light, and it will be light all time. There will be no more night there. And uh, what a great uh, great time uh, that will be there in heaven. Much of that is, is, is reiterated, it's brought out, it's repeated, it's, it's uh, emphasized for us again in this chapter. And so we see the throne and we see some of the effects of the throne that take place there. Notice here as well in verse number two, 
And I could, I could spend a lot of time on this, but we won't for sake of time. But I find it fascinating. In verse number two, the Bible says, In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees, of the tree, excuse me, were for the healing of the nations. We find not just the throne in that city, but we find this tree uh, that becomes a central part of this. And it's fascinating because the tree is accessible on either side. And, and how does that happen? There, there could happen multiple ways. One, the tree could grow in the center of the river, and then on either side you could be able to reach its branches. Uh, there's actually trees that grow, and uh, their root system will grow, and then, uh, then more trees will sprout off of those roots of those trees and so possibly there's a tree on this side it roots goes under and sprouts on the other side and it's one tree uh, but it would look like two uh, I don't know there's lots of explanations all I know is that this tree is accessible uh, from both sides of the river and uh, and I find it very fascinating because the Bible uses this word um, the this phrase rather in verse number two the tree of life and if you look up that, that phrase, the tree of life, it's a fascinating study, to be honest with you. Uh, and you go all the way back uh, to the book of, of Genesis. Matter of fact, the tree of life is only used ten times throughout Scripture. Now, if the Bible just said a tree was growing in heaven, we'd say, hey, a tree's grown in heaven, and it's a tree of life, and we'd pass on. But the fact that it makes the very clear statement of the tree of life uh, does lend itself to curiosity, saying, wait a minute, wasn't there a tree of life in the Garden of Eden? And you would be accurate. Yes, there was a tree of life that was in the, in the Garden of Eden. Uh, matter of fact, three times that phrase is used in the book of, of Genesis. And then four times... Here's a fascinating one for you. Four times that phrase, the tree of life, is used in the book of Proverbs. Isn't that fascinating? And, uh, and of course, it's referring to uh, the life-giving uh, things of knowledge and of the Word of God and how we get our life, eternal life, through the Word of God. And then three times, it's used um, in the book of Revelation. Uh, it's, of course, used here in verse number 2. It's referenced again in verse number 14. And then it's referenced in Revelation chapter 2 in verse number 7. And, uh, and I, I, could, I could spend a lot of time looking at that and talking about that. Uh, and, and really, we would be kicking around ideas because we really don't have definitive statements. Uh, there's, there's some here, and uh, you could draw a lot of crazy conclusions and go off on a lot of crazy ideas, but I tell you what, when we get to heaven, I can assure you that we'll understand things by and by more clearly, and, uh, and we'll understand all of that far better. Uh, but it is fascinating just to note that there is that tree there, and, uh, and 12 manner of fruits that grows on it. We had a lot of trees in Italy, and I, I, I personally, uh, I kind of like trees more than gardening. I, if I had anything, man, I'd have some fruit trees in my yard and, uh, and tend to those. I, I don't know why. I just like them a little better. And, and uh, we had lots of fruit trees in Italy in our yard. They were already there when we moved in. 
And, uh, but I tell you what, all of those trees, we even had one tree uh, where they had cut the limb and, uh, and merged another limb for another tree. Uh, they grafted it in and had some kind of exotic, weird fruit that was not normal. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, but I tell you what, all of those trees, they all grew the same fruit. Those are, they, were, they only grew one fruit, rather. And, uh, and so uh, all of those things, uh, you know, this tree here grows 12 fruits. Uh, we don't have anything like that on the world, to my knowledge. Maybe we do, and I don't know about it, but uh, I found that fascinating, uh, the variety of fruit that is there provided. And, uh, and so we find the city there is further described, and uh, you can dig into that, and you can look at that and, and find a lot of fascinating things. But I want to move on to the close of this book. Uh, we find the city in the first five verses, and then from verse 6 all the way down through verse 21, we really we find the closing of the book of Revelation. And, uh, and I find it very interesting, because notice here in verse number 6, the Bible says this, and he said unto me, these sayings are faithful and true. The, and the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must shortly be done. I just want to stop in verse number six and point this out, that the Bible uh, many, several times throughout the book of Revelation says these sayings are faithful and true. And he's asserting the, the veracity of the word of God. And the fact that, hey, these, these, this book that John wrote down was given to him. God allowed him to see these visions and to see all of these things and to record these things. And, and you remember several times in the book of Revelation, he says, hey, write these things down. Hey, make sure you record them. And, uh, and there is a blessing given to those who study the book of Revelation. And, and he's saying, hey, these are a faithful word of God and they're true and they're uh, things that are accurate. And so we have the word of God verifying itself. And, uh, and I find that fascinating. But then he says this, he says uh, at the very last phrase, the things which must shortly be done. Then notice in verse number 7, we find, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And so we find two things that are referenced here, and it's a time frame, and that is the brevity of time. In verse number 6, he says, uh, these, these things are the things which must shortly be done. In other words, hey, God is, is looking forward to, uh, to closing all of this up. And, and listen, you say, man, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus Christ walked on this earth. And we'll throw roughly 2,000 years since John uh, saw these visions and looked at these things. And, 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 and many people are like, well, man, uh, that doesn't sound like shortly. Uh, remember that God's time is not our time. Uh, remember that, uh, that we don't measure time the same way and that God measures time differently than we do. But I can assure you this, that, hey, listen, it is going to come to pass. The Bible assures us of that. Hey, these things are written, they're faithful, they're true, and it is going to take place, and it is going to take place in a, in a brief time. It's, it's, it's not going to be long. 
uh, hey, listen, uh, we could very well be living in the last days. We don't know it. Uh, they thought, many of the disciples even thought they were during that time. That was 2,000 years ago. Uh, and listen, uh, he still hasn't come, but that doesn't mean he's not going to. He is going to come. And he says that. Uh, matter of fact, that phrase, uh, I come quickly. Uh, we'll talk about that. But three times he mentions it here in the closing of this chapter. And I'm just saying that in a brief time, that, that uh, there, there's a short amount of time before Jesus Christ is going to come back. And all of this is going to start off in the book of Revelation. And uh, listen, it's repeated. Uh, many people will note uh, in verse number seven, it says, Behold, I come quickly. A lot of people will say, uh, well, that just means that he, that's how fast that he's going to appear. Well, that is fascinating and that is interesting. And I don't deny that because the Bible does talk about the fact in the book of Corinthians that in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. And so there's no doubt about the, uh, the quickness that all of that will take place. Uh, but the fact that, hey, he says, I come quickly. Uh, that's, that phrase is only used six times in the book of Revelation. It's, I found this fascinating as I was looking this up. It's two times that it's used, uh, or, or excuse me, it's only used six times in the book of Revelation, twice in chapter number two, once in chapter number three, and three times in chapter 22. That phrase, I come quickly. You know what I conclude by that? I conclude that, listen, that is talking about specifically uh, the rapture of the church. Why? Because it takes place early on. Uh, he's talking about it with the church, the first two, three chapters there. Chapter two and chapter three, when he's dealing with the church, he says to them, I come quickly. And then he doesn't say those. He does say, I come uh, and other phrases. But listen, then in Revelation 22, as he's closing off, he's saying, listen, I come quickly. And he reiterates that three times in this closing. And so what I'm saying is, uh, listen, that's the brevity of time. And, uh, and he's saying, hey, we need to be watching for that coming of the Lord. We see the brevity of time that all of that is going to take place. Notice this in verse number uh, seven. He says this, behold, I come quickly. What is behold? Behold means this. I looked it up because I was curious and I, I look up words, and, and this word means to direct the eyes to or fix them upon an object to look or to see. And so uh, I take that to mean that, hey, he wants us to be looking for his coming. Behold, I come quickly. In other words, hey, I am coming and I want, that is the thing that we're going to be looking for. Look in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 3. Go back with me there. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 3. He talks about this, uh, this idea of, of the brevity of time and beholding, looking for it. Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 3. Right in the introduction, he says this, Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy, and keep those things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. 
And so uh, that is the thing that we're, we're to be looking for, is that, hey, the time is at hand that Christ's coming is going to be very soon. And we notice that. He says the same thing in verse number 12 uh, of Revelation 22. He says, and behold, I come quickly, and this time is at hand. We are to be looking for it. Look with me in verse number 12 of Revelation 22. We'll continue In verse number 12, I skipped a verse here, but well, let's just jump to 12 there. Uh, verse number 12, we see not only the brevity of time, uh, that these things must shortly be done. We see, I come quickly, that's repeated. Uh, then we see the beholding, that we're to be looking for it, that's noted there in verse 7 and verse number 12. But notice this, the benefits of it in verses 12 through 14. The Bible says there in verse number 12, And behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. Once you notice the benefits, as we think about the coming of Christ, many times um, we'll I will preach and, and, uh, and mention the coming of Christ. And, and many times we talk about Second uh, Corinthians or first, I think it's First Corinthians, that references that all of our things are going to uh, be tried before God. And that's true. Uh, we do need to be aware of that. Listen, the Bible says that if we build things of earth and stubble and all of that, that when, hey, when we're tried, those are going to be burned up, that we're still going to be saved, all right? We're not losing our salvation, but the things that we do on this earth do count for eternity. And we find here in this chapter, the kind of the other side of the coin, if I can say it that way. He says in verse number 12, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. And listen, there's rewards. And, and we focus on the accountability of Christians and we ought to. But listen, the reality as well is, hey, there's rewards that are coming. And I tell you what, uh, there is a payday Someday. We look forward to that. Uh, I tell you what, these vacation uh, Bible school workers, man, they worked all week long. And I appreciate it. And uh, my wife and I, we were talking and stuff, and, and, and I, we're just, we're, um, we're, we're happy, I guess, or, or pleased. I don't know the right word, but, but we're just amazed because, man, people put in a lot of time. I mean, they got up, they went to work, and, and after work, they came, many of them come straight from work, came to the church, and we were here till, uh, you know, 8.30, 9 o'clock at night, and, and, and then they got out of here, and the next day they got up, and they did that, they did that all week long. My wife and I, we were talking that, uh, you know, I remember the days when VBS used to be two weeks long, and I remember the days when, uh, man, it used to be several hours, it used to be during the daytime, and, and, uh, and a relevant point was brought up, uh, the fact that, hey, a lot of a lot of women didn't work during those times, and they would come and do VBS at the church. Boy, days have changed, and uh, and most all our people were working. I mean, they you know they they work and then they come to church and uh, and work some more. And and what I'm saying is all of the work and all of the energy and all of the effort that was invested in that week is not in vain. And God saw all of it. 
And God, watch that. And listen, when he comes, there'll be rewards that are given out in heaven. Now, I don't know. I'm glad that God is the record keeper, to be honest with you. Because I have a, I'm a, I'm 100% sure that he keeps 10 times better records than I do. And he doesn't make mistakes. He's got everything written down. And sometimes we can be discouraged in the work that we do. Sometimes, hey, we, we, we do this and we, we labor in this. We labor in uh, teaching Sunday school. We labor in junior church. We labor in the van route. We labor in the choir. We labor in all these places. And sometimes we may say, man, I just don't, I don't really see what the benefit of it is. I don't really see the results of it, or I don't really know that it's worth it. Hey, can I tell you that there's coming a day when God's going to say, hey, here's faithfulness. Here's for doing what I've asked you to do. Here's here's for uh, going where I asked you to go. Here's for talking and and giving those lessons. Hey, here's a, uh, maybe God's got an extra special reward for Sunday school workers and junior junior church teachers and VBS workers that are like pulling their hair out with some of the kids that come. I don't know. But I know this. He said there's a reward. And he's coming and he's going to bless those that have labored. And we find the rewards that are there. Not only the rewards, but look in verse number 14. It says, blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into that city. And I'm just saying that, hey, if we walk with God and we do what we're supposed to do, there's no doubt that we are blessed. There's rewards for for. Serving the Lord. Look with me in verse number 15. We find this fascinating. The Bible says in verse 15, For without are dogs and sorcerers and whoremongers and murderers and idolaters and whosoever loveth and maketh a lie. We're talking about the city there and those that are in the city and those and verse 15, he's very clear. He makes it for those that are without the city. You say, what, what, are, what is he talking about there? And I put down there uh, those who are eternally condemned. And I think it's a reference again, like 21 and verse number 8, uh, the fact that, hey, they're, they're, those people that are uh, lost are eternally lost and eternally condemned to hell. And in chapter 22, he's just making a point to reiterate, hey, that they are still without They are not allowed in. They are still banished to eternal uh, persecution. They are still locked up and they are without. And so he makes it very clear there in verse number 15. But I want you to notice this in verse number 16 down through 21. I find this fascinating. It is the bestowment of this closing. Look at what he says in verse number 16. The Bible says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and offspring of David and the bright and morning star. 
And he and the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. And I find here in verse number 16, the bestowment. Notice there the churches. Uh, I had mentioned early on that the church is absent throughout the book of Revelation, and it is. And that's quite amazing. There's only 22 chapters, but I've got 35 messages. Why is that? Because we dealt with uh, one, one message per church. You remember that? Uh, you want me to go back and re-preach it? No, no, no. We remember. Okay. So he dealt with the church exclusively in those first three chapters. It was very, very prominent in throughout those chapters. And then in chapter 4, all the way through chapter 21, and really, for all practical purposes, through the majority of chapter 22, the church is not mentioned. It's noticeably absent throughout the entirety of the tribulation period. But here he brings it back up. Why is that? Because he's wrapping things up and he's closing up the book of Revelation and there's a few final things that he's giving and he's bestowed it upon the churches to teach and testify these things. Hey, listen, we know what's going to take place in the end times. The world does not. They're out there trying to save the earth. They're out there trying to prevent the sun from blowing up the earth. They're out there doing all these things. You know why they would spend all the money and send a, a, a lunar capsule all the way to Mars and try to find uh, water on Mars and all these other planets? They're looking for a place to go when this earth implodes and when the sun stops shining and all of those things. They're looking to sustain life because they have no idea what is coming. That's why they're doing that. And I'm not, a, I'm not against all of that exploit. I think that's fascinating to me. I find it very interesting, to be honest with you. I like technology. But I'm telling you this, their motives are far different than our motives because we know what's going to take place. And he's saying, hey, these things, I want them taught. I want them testified of the church. And he, and he says that. He says, I want it to be taught. I want it to be preached. I want the, all of these things to be known because I've given them, I've written them out for the church to know so that we can be taught. Notice in verse number 17, we find the church there is, is bestowed with this uh, great responsibility to teach and preach the word of God. We find in verse number 17, uh, the come, the invitation to come. He says, and the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. I find a lot of fascinating things there, but he's saying this, it's an open invitation. Uh, there's, there's two things there actually, because the first and foremost, the spirit and the bride say come. It's like saying to Christ, okay, come, because he said, hey, I come quickly. And the bride and the spirit are saying, come on, we're ready. Hey, we're saved. We're prepared. We know where we're going. Go ahead and come. And so there's that, that spirit and the bride that is inviting and is saying to come. But then he goes on, he says, and let him that heareth say come. In other words, hey, those that would put their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, they also are saying, hey, we're ready. Come. It's time. But then he kind of does a play on words, and I love this when the Lord does this in verse number 17, and let him that is a thirst come. 
And he's saying, hey, listen, there's still time. There's still opportunity for people to be saved, for people to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and those that are athirst and those that are lacking the Lord Jesus Christ and those who find their life empty and without purpose. Hey, there's still opportunity. The door is still open and Jesus Christ is still inviting and saying, hey, come and drink of the water freely because there's still time. We see all these things that are coming. Hey, but while you are alive and while, uh, while the door is open, hey, come and drink of that water. The Bible says in Titus 2.13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and of our, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Hey, listen, that's what we're looking for. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and we're looking for that. Then the invitation, of course, to the lost there. We see the bestowment on the churches. We see the invitation of the bride and the Spirit saying, come, we're ready. Notice the, the careful that is issued there in verse number 18, the caution sign. He says in verse number 18 and 19, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his prophecy out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. I'm just saying there is a strong warning given to whoever would tamper with the word of God. Listen, it, it, it bothers me on more than one level all of these Bible translations that exist. And I've talked about this in the past. It, it amazes me that we have languages where not even one Bible verse has been translated into these languages. But yet in the English language, we have 50, 60 different translations. Why do we have so many translations in English? It's all about money. It's all about copyrights. It's all about, you know why... You know why they have to keep coming up with a new one? They have to keep coming up with a new one because uh, they, they've sold all they're going to sell of their other one and they have to make a new copyright so that they can say, oh, this is it, we've, add, we, we've, we've, we've fixed it, we found some things that were missing, we've added to it, and it's all about business and it's all about selling Bibles and it's all about making a living in this because if it was truly about getting the Word of God to the, to the people that don't have it, they would be doing that in the languages that don't have money if that was truly the motive but it's not it's all about business that's what it's about and 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 I, I recognize that and I see that and on the other hand I'm scared to death for those people who touch the Word of God and do all of those things because of these verses there is a caution that is issued. And listen, God does not want his word messed with. He's very clear about that. You know who started it all? Satan in the Garden of Eden. Yea, has God said? He's the first one. And he hasn't stopped in 6,000 years. He just continues, tries to muddle the word of God and confuse people. And I'm just telling you that there's a strong issue of caution that is given with the Word of God. But look with me in verse number 20 as we close. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely 
I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. In verse 20, I put down the certainty of his coming. Hey, he closes with the fact, you see it in verse number uh, 7, Behold, I come quickly. You see it in verse number 12, Behold, I come quickly. And you see it in verse number 20, Surely I come quickly. It is certain that Christ is coming. And, and listen, why does he close with that? I think because that is the next thing that we're to look for, is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I talk about coming, I'm talking about the rapture of the church. He's bestowed it upon the church. He said, hey, listen, we are to teach these things. We are to educate on these things. And we're to understand that Jesus Christ is coming again. You know what we're looking for? Keep your eyes up. Listen for that trump, because that's what's going to sound. And when it does, whoo, we'll be out of here. Hey, it'll be quick. You say, man, I, I get I'm scared of heights. You won't, have to, you, you won't even have time. You, your stomach will probably still be on the ground. You know how you go over those hills and you leave your stomach at the top? Your stomach will probably still be here before you hit the top. And it'll catch up to you and be like, whoo, that was exhilarating. But you'll be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. And he says, surely I come quickly. Hey, that's what we're to be looking for. Let's not just look for that and say, man, let's, I can't wait till he comes. No, 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 let's be busy about the Father's business. Hey, there's people that are lost and need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. I've told this story, I'll tell it again. My parents used to go away and they would, three boys, leave us at home. Not for a long time, it's just they would go out or whatever. They'd go to town and we lived about 45 minutes outside of town, so it was quite a drive anywhere. And they're like, we're, we're leaving. I want you to clean up the living room. I want you to do the dishes. I want you to take out the trash. I want, they'd give us a list of chores. And they'd go. We had no idea when they were coming back. Now, I'm sure none of you did this growing up. We would, my parents would walk out the door and we'd jump on chores. No, I'm lying. Nobody did a chore, not a single thing. You know what we did? We played video games, we fought, we did everything that kids do while their parents are gone. And then pretty soon you'd see lights coming down our road. Oh buddy, you have never seen the dishes get done so fast, the trash get taken out and the house get picked up. We would go as fast as we could to get everything done. Why? Because the worst thing was it would pass and it was our neighbor's car. We're like, man, we got fooled. Of course, when that happened, we just stopped and went back to playing. God doesn't tell us when he's coming, but he does say, hey, I am coming. And there's a lot of work that is to be done. There's a lot of people that need to know about the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of souls that need to be won and and you say, what, what's delaying his coming? I'll be honest with you, I don't know. Maybe he's waiting for somebody else to get saved. I don't know. 
God knows his time and he knows his time and he has purposefully left us in the dark about when he'll be coming. But he knows, he let us know this, I come quickly. And he closed with these words, surely, certainly, I come quickly. And he is going to come. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet, the Lord is coming back. We need to be prepared. We need to let others know how they can be prepared. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the clarity of it. God, I thank you for the book of Revelation that has been revealing to us the end times. God, I thank you for the exhortation, the education, and the encouragement that we receive from your word. God, I pray that we as Christians, mature adults and mature Christians, that we would live accordingly and work accordingly as your coming is at hand. And God, we don't know when that's for certain, but we do know that you're coming. I pray, Father, that you would speak to hearts. I pray that you'd encourage and bless each and every person and help us to understand and realize that there's much work to be done. And that we are to be the salt of the world and the light of the world. I pray, Father, that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. And Father, we'll give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open. Whatever the need. <clears throat> Maybe you'd like to pray for somebody. Maybe you'd like to pray for somebody that's lost and doesn't know the Lord. Maybe you're concerned about that. Maybe you're unsure of where you'll spend eternity. Maybe you need to get that nailed down. Maybe you just say, I want to thank the Lord for His Word that He's given to us. Whatever the need, the altar's open. Maybe you need to be baptized. Maybe you need to join the church. Maybe you need to get saved. Whatever the need.